Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are people that need your mercy because you, you have a power to do them wrong. You know, if you're a parent, it could be your kids. If you're a husband or wife, your husband or wife is going to need you to be merciful sometimes. And sometimes just within the body of Christ, you got to be merciful. You know, I just let, let that off. Let that go. Somebody say sorry. That, that has to be our, our default. If somebody apologizes, you got to say, OK, you know, I mean, what you going to do? What else can they do? You know, but say sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you give, you give them mercy. I know I love me some mercy when I need it. Today, Pastor Bill will share with you about mercy. Mercy is the concept and action of not getting something that you deserve in terms of punishment. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve, like the gift of salvation. But mercy is a hard thing to give someone. Oftentimes, when we are in a position to give someone mercy, our first response isn't mercy. When someone has wronged us, we want to wrong them. We want revenge, but God gave us mercy, and we should give it to others. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I thought it was interesting that he's opening up this letter. The last letter was corrective. A year has gone by. He's got feedback on how they're doing. And so, you know, this he did his opening, you know, grace to you guys, peace to you guys. But it's interesting to me that first thing he wants to talk to them about, he knows they've been going through it. He knows it's been difficult. He knows they're being challenged in some areas. And Paul's first thing he wants to do is minister comfort to them. Um, and I, I think that's great. One of the things that you'll find, anybody here that decides to walk with the Lord, um, you're going to find that there are challenges, that there's opposition. And at times it's difficult. Um, it's, it's a lie that gets preached a lot. People say, you know, if you come to Christ, God's just going to fix everything. Everything's going to be great. You just come to the Lord. He's going to bless you. You're going to get that job you want. You're single. You'll be married. You're married. You'll be single. You know, people act like if, if you just, that's what, you know, this, act like if you just come to God, everything is just going to be great. And um, anybody that's come to God and walk with God, can y'all say that, can I get an amen that that's not how it goes? Amen. Sometimes what ends up happening is you come to God and get real with him and walk with him. And it's like, I got opposition I've never had before. I got new enemies. I have I, I, I got difficulty that I didn't have. Some people despair of the difficulty and quit. That's why that false gospel is a it's a it's a real damning and damaging thing to people, because if I come to Christ based on a message that says, if I come to Christ, everything's going to be made better. Then when I come to Christ, everything gets worse. And then I'm like, God, let me down. I tried God. It didn't work. I came to him and he, my marriage fell apart. My kids started acting up. I lost my job. My dog died and my car got flats. You know, it, it would be discouraging. But if I come to Christ understanding this, what do we come to Christ for? One thing, salvation. We was going to hell. We were lost. We were separated from God. We had the sentence of death in us. We were walking dead. We were separated. Hell was our home. We needed help. We needed forgiveness. When I come to Christ, I get forgiven of my sins. The guarantee that I will not go to hell, but I will go to heaven. God becomes my father. I become his kid. I got a relationship with the living God. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside me, convict me of sins, lead me in all truth, help me walk this thing out, empower me to do what I can't do in my own strength. I got a relationship with the living God. That's what I get. I don't get perfect, perfect life. I don't get perfect circumstances. Do we know that? You guys know that? Okay. Well, if we don't, I want you to know it. So I want to give you the truth. So now look at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. 
And so he opens up and says, hey, blessed be, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And it's interesting here. He looks at God, the father. We, we know that you can find in scripture where in John 14, the Holy Spirit was the comforter. In 1 John chapter 2, the, 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 the son, Jesus, was the, the paraclete to come alongside and help. And here he says, it's God the Father that comes alongside and comforts us and helps us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to consider the picture of God that you have in your mind. Some people picture God as a God that's looking to get you. God is looking for an opportunity to punish you or penalize you. Some people think, if, man, God is just up there with his bat waiting for the next time you to mess up. So whack, he can just smack you every time. If he did that, we would be repeatedly being smacked and smacked <laughs> and smacked. That's what would happen. So that's obviously not the case. God's not waiting to get you. Um, it's not the baseball bat that brings you to God. It's the goodness of God. That brings us to repentance. And so um, be careful what your image of him is. He says here, the father of all the, 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 the God and father of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's a merciful God and he comes with comfort to come alongside and to help you. Um, what is mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Everybody here that's received Christ, we deserve hell, but we don't get what we deserve. We get heaven. Amen. If God never did nothing else, we can, we can, get, we can thank him for that until we, until we make it there. Amen? Um, but he does so much more. But, he, but that would be enough, right? That's been the mercy of God, not getting what we deserve. I deserve that, but I, I'm not getting the punishment that I deserve. Um, all of us want mercy, and we look to God. God's the one that can give mercy. Uh, but something God desires to do in our lives is as we're recipients of mercy, God wants us to be a merciful people. Um, some Christians are very unforgiving and unmerciful. Though we receive so much mercy, um, when we when I cry out to God, sorry, best up, forgive me. Ah, you know, he, he's merciful. He forgives me over and over and over. Some of us, though, somebody mess up and say sorry. No, no, no you know, that's the last time. You know, you're not going to do me like that. You know, we, that, that's, that's my limit. But you, that's the second time you told me that, you know, whatever. We could be an unmerciful people. I, I challenge us as parents. Be careful with our kids. That we're merciful. We're recipients of mercy. We got to be, it's got to be balanced. Um, merciful don't mean that we don't deal with stuff, but it's got to be balanced. I got to be merciful sometimes. Um, we pray about how we deal with the things that come up with our kids. Sometimes they need a butt whoop. You know, there are times where I prayed and God said, no, this is, this is going to be, this. they need this broken. This is going to be a trend that needs to be broken up. Go on and get the belt. And that's what I do. But I've had times where I prayed and God is like, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to teach them about mercy. Um, they'll, they'll receive it too. Yeah, I've, I've sat down with one of them. I won't name which of my kids, but I sat down and said, look, and he knew I had, I brought the instrument of discipline with me. I sat it on my lap, <laughs> sat down and had the conversation and you know, the eyes were welling up. The, the sorrow for sin was all over his face. And I said, you know, and, and when I explained mercy, I said, did you get mercy this time? But then the next time he wanted it again, I said, no, this, this time you get judgment, son. So, <laughs> God knows what we need and when we need it. And um, he is a merciful God. He's a God of all mercies and well, he's a God of mercy and the God of all comfort. Um, but consider that. Consider that you're such a recipient of mercy. Make sure that you're merciful. The people that are that need mercy from you. Um, many times there's going to be people that are subordinate to you. If you're a boss, 
There are people that need your mercy that you because you have a power to do them wrong. You know, if you're a parent, it could be your kids. If you're a husband or wife, your husband or wife is going to need you to be merciful sometimes. And sometimes just within the body of Christ, you got to be merciful. You know, I just let, let that off. Let that go. Somebody say sorry. That, that has to be our, our default. If somebody apologizes, you got to say, OK, you know, I mean, what you going to do? What else can they do? You know, but say sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you give you give them mercy. I know I love me some mercy when I need it, you know. Um, when I speed and I got pulled over and they came to my car and took my license and the registration and then got another call and let me go. That was that was a beautiful thing. I was I rejoiced, you know. Now, it would be wrong if somebody cut me off and I'm like, I wish a cop would just do, you know, I got to I got to want mercy for other people, too. So he's the God of mercy, father of mercies. I'm sorry. And he's the God of all comfort. Now. This is where the, the, the study, the, most of the study deals with that. He's a God of all comfort. God is the giver of comfort, the source of comfort. He's the God of all comfort. All in the Greek means all. That means that there is no true comfort that can come apart from God. Now, there could be people that say comforting things and, and try to be. There's no true comfort that can come apart from God. He's the God of all comfort. He's the source. He's the one through whom it comes. And so when a person's in need of comfort, someone's hurting, someone's going through difficulty. That's why as believers, we would say, man, you got to you got to first come to the Lord. There, there's a there's a there's help for you, but it starts with him. It, it comes through him. There, there There's areas that God can touch and comfort and minister to that nobody else can. And God says, I'm the God of all comfort. And so we always would point people to him, look to him, turn to him, surrender to him. Let him meet you with that situation, with that thing. I say this because the world gives you many options that are not as help, that are not truly helpful. Um, today, some people that are hurting turn to substances, um, covers up stuff, but it doesn't truly help, doesn't truly take it away. This is a cover up, temporary thing. Um, some people turn to doctors with their hurts. If you go to a doctor today and tell them that you're hurting, they're going to do two things. They're going to give you some kind of psych med um, to try one of these. If that doesn't work, then come back. We'll redo things. And you'll be on a whole nother trail with that. Or if you're, I won't say if you're lucky, but now these days you go to doctors. I, I, I just really having a hard time just stressing. My work is stressing me out. They'll give you a green card. You know, and you go get you a prescription of, of, of some of that and, and go on and ruin your life that way. The world will offer you a lot of options that don't truly help. God says, I'm the God of all comfort. And there are people that are willing to try everything else, but won't come to him. They won't come to God with their, with their hurts, with their issues, with their problems, where, where true comfort can come. And so, I, 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 again, as I looked at the chapter, I thought, why, why did he start here with them? Because they've heeded his counsel and they're walking different, they're being afflicted. And the believers are suffering and there's warfare and there's attack and there's different things. And Paul's saying, look, God wants to give you comfort. He's a God of all comfort. God doesn't want to change the circumstances that are making you hurt. God doesn't want to bring you out of the circumstances that cause you to feel like you're suffering. He wants to comfort you in the midst of it. And there's something more powerful about God meeting you in the midst of what you're going through than it is than, than for God to remove it. God could remove the circumstances, but there's something more powerful about God showing up in the midst of the circumstance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't have to go into the fire. Right. God could have prevented them from going to the fire. That, that could have been prevented. But um, it, it, the story is way cooler because they get thrown into the fire. The people that threw them in burned up on the way down. They get into the fire. The ropes burn off. They chilling in the fire and the Lord shows up to hang out with them. 
That's just a way cooler story, the way it works out, that God was with them in the fire. And the guy looks down and says, yo, who is that down there? It looks like, you know, and he calls him out and he now he's humbled and broken and worshiping God. Guys, I, 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 that, that was better than me getting you out of the circumstance. You guys held your ground. You guys showed that you were willing to die to obey me. Um, and I showed that I was willing to preserve you. And, and that broke that king's heart. It showed him something about who I am. God showed up right there with him. And so sometimes we're like, God, get me out of it. And God's like, would you just look to me in the midst of it? What I'm going to do is way stronger. I'm going to make you a different kind of person. You're going to be a different kind of man, a different kind of woman when this is done. If you look to me, I will strengthen you. I will comfort you. Everything you need, I will be it to you. And so, again, I, my plea to all of us that are going through difficulties that we would look to him in the midst of it. He is faithful. So moving on. Verse four, it says, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here he gives us a purpose for suffering. He says, look, you don't go through it just for you, right? Maybe something to consider that I've gone through some stuff. Some of you guys have gone through. Some of you guys are going through some stuff. And God is saying, look, you know, it's not just for you. What you're going through is not just for you. It, right now, it's for you. Right now, you need comfort. Right now, you need to look to me that I can meet you. But God says, but, but when you're done, he says, he comforts all our tribulations so that we, after we've been comforted, we'll be able to comfort others that are, that are in need of comfort. God says, I, I, after I finish ministering to you, you're going to be a unique tool. You're going to be a unique vessel of mine to minister to people that are going through some stuff. And here's the deal. I don't have to have been through what someone's going through to minister to them, but it helps. It helps a lot. Take someone that has suffered the loss of, you know, a loss of a child. Um, now, there are things that are true that anybody that knows the Lord knows the word can minister to them. But someone that's been through that already and been comforted by God and been ministered to by the Lord they're uniquely qualified and gifted and enabled to minister. Uh, one of my guys I really enjoy is John Corson. Um, at one point in his life, his wife uh, in a car accident lost his wife. They were driving, uh, had a car accident in the snow, and she died. Um, then uh, several years later, his teenage daughter, uh, driving the same area, uh, hit black ice and spun out in her car on the way to school, and she died. And this man suffered the loss of a wife and a teenage daughter, in the midst of ministering and pastoring a church, that's difficult. But he did look to the Lord, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord met him, and the Lord was with him in a deep way. And he wrote a book. Um, that's a book I love to give to people that are going through grief. Um, and, you know, it's called, uh, uh, I forgot the name of it. My wife, remember it? Anyway, so it's a, it's a good book, though. It's just so, so good. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But uh, he, he, he lays out all that he went through. And I, I've, I've known over the years several pastors that have lost someone. And he's someone that comes in and he ministers to them and he's able to. It's not like he's not talking in theory. You know, he's not saying, yeah, I, I know how you feel, but he don't know how you feel. Uh, and I would just say that to us. Be careful about trying to comfort people with fake comfort. If somebody parent died, you ain't never had a parent die. Don't say, I know how you feel. No, you don't. You don't have to know how they feel. Um, just love them, you know, pray for them, be there. Uh, but sometimes, you know, Christians can, you know, they can do more damage than help. Greg Laurie said when his son died that he did a whole sermon telling the things that people did that didn't minister to him, that actually angered him. He said one lady came up after a service and said, 
you know, I, I understand what you're going through. You know, last year, my dog passed away, and it was, uh, and it was like, now I love my dogs, and some people think they dogs like people, but he said I, I could, he could have probably hit her, you know, and I said that's so offensive. She was she was trying to help, but that he was like, don't just stop, 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 don't do that, you know. Uh, there are verses that we know are true. Don't we know that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and call according to? We know that's true, but do you walk up to someone that just lost a kid and say, hey? All, they're in a better place. All things are working together for the good. Not, not, that's not the time. You might just want to hug them and pray and let the Lord minister that truth to their hearts. You know, we just got to be careful, right? There's a comfort that only God can bring. And again, when we've been into those deep waters, you know, you've been at loss. You've suffered through cancer. You've had someone pass away that you cared for. and You looked to the Lord and he met you the same way he met you. You'll be able to pour that on somebody else. I think I pastored 10 years and did funerals and everything else before I had ever really dealt with death. Uh, I had never dealt with anybody really close to me dying. My, mo- my mother was the first, um, which is a big one, but that's the first like really intimate death I ever dealt with. And, and I, I, I remember for me, I know the grief and I remember I had my moments of crying, but I, I had the Lord meet me and speak to me. And it was a final thing. I mean, God just met me. He spoke to me. There was a verse God gave me to cling to, but there was a comfort from him that I wrote, I mean, I'm still writing that. There, there doesn't mean there won't be moments and times where you don't think something or a birthday or feel emotional, but I've never, I remember feeling grief and hurt at a level and crying out to the Lord and never feeling grief at that level again. That God's comfort is able to meet you at the level of your hurt, your suffering, your grief, your pain. Um, and there's something I take from that. When someone is suffering with that kind of loss, my heart's different now. I'm, I, I, I've been touched by that. My heart's different. I, I know what not to say. Uh, there were a lot of people that loved me and tried to like comfort me. And this is the thing that Christians, we, we want to fix it for you. You want to make it all better. There's not a verse in the Bible to make that pain go away. They lost their mother. Let them, let them cry. They, like, that, that's gonna, they, they're going to have a moment. They're human. Uh, sometimes Christians, we want to fix it. Like, may I find this right verse in the Psalms. This is going to fix it for them. You know? and, and we'll read them some verse. And it's like, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But I, <laughs> I need God right now. I just need the Lord. There, there are places only God can touch. Um, there have been other hurts, other challenges that people have had, and there are places that only God can touch. He's the God of all comfort. So if he's going to use you, first you got to have, you have to have looked to him and been comforted by him in order for that to flow through you. If in your hurt you didn't look to the Lord, you haven't looked to the Lord, and you haven't received comfort from the Lord, you can relate, but you can't help. And that's where a lot of people end up being stuck. I can relate to your pain, and I can understand what you feel. I can agree with what you're, but I can't, I don't have anything to help you with. We want to be able to help other people. Amen. And so God says, look, the, the same comfort that you've been comforted with, you're going to be able to help others. There's a purpose. There's always a purpose for pain or discomfort or suffering in the life of the believers, never without purpose from God. Verse five, it says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And so he says, just, just like the sufferings of Christ, they, they, they abound. There's a, we're, we're going through a lot. Um, they abound in us. So is our consolation. There's God's meeting us at the level of our hurt. God's meeting us. We're, we're hurting. His comfort is right there. And again, this is important because it doesn't say that God fixes the suffering or takes it away. And some people have been really let down, feeling like God was supposed to make it all right. He was supposed to change the thing that brought suffering. And, you know, I just I just have to point out that's not really the that's not really the teaching of Scripture. 
Uh, I can think of people, I can think of so many people in the word that God used, but they suffered difficult things. I think of Joseph. Joseph was a faithful man, loved God, um, no fault of his own. His father favored him. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a hole, sold him into slavery. God was with him. He was the best slave. You know, he got he got to be in a good position. Then he got lied on and the, the, the guy's wife tried to sleep with him. He ran away. He did the right thing. And then she said, he tried to rape me. And he got put in jail for it. Now he's in jail for obeying God. And I'm looking at his life thinking he got a whole lot of reasons to be bitter, but you never hear him get bitter. You don't ever hear Joseph complain that whole section of Genesis. And when it's all said and done, the brothers that put him in the predicament that he was in. And he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How did he have that perspective? Because he kept walking with the Lord. God administered to him. He understood that God was sovereign over all his difficult things and God made good on it. It wasn't for nothing. God was making him into a certain kind of man because he was going to be a leader. Right. Pain is never without purpose. I think of Queen Esther. Her, her early life is difficult. You know, her mother and father, they were taken away from her. She's raised by, you know, an uncle figure, Mordecai, or, you know, is a cousin, but he's like an uncle to her. And so he's, she's raised by a man, doesn't have a mom or a dad. Um, she's beautiful, no fault of her own. And at, at, at a particular time, when she was of a particular age, the king booted out the other wife and did a beauty pageant and picked her. And next thing you know, she's in the palace, happens to be a Jew, after Haman had got a decree to get all the Jews killed. And Mordecai says, how do you know that you're not in the kingdom of such a time as this? And that woman went before the king, life at risk. She said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to go. And she went and she saved the whole Jewish nation at that time. But, but look at what she went through, right? I look at that part, that's glorious. But what was it like being a little girl with no parents? What was it like being a girl with no woman to raise you and talk your woman stuff and all that kind of, what was that like? That was probably difficult for her, but God used it. It wasn't for nothing. So if you've had pain, if it seemed like I was, dealt, I was dealt a rough hand, my parents had a bad family, I had this happen to me, I got this health concern, I had this jacked up marriage, I had this loss in my life, it's never without purpose to the person that will look to the Lord. Amen? The one thing you see with all those people is that they did look to the Lord. They kept walking with the Lord. And so God brought purpose out of the difficulties. If you turn your back on God in the midst of difficulty, you lose. And that's why for you guys that listen to me preach over the years, I tell people all the time, don't ever get mad at God, right? If you get mad at God, you lose. Um, people typically get mad at God when at the lowest points in their life, when they need God the most. It's one of Satan's tricks. How do I disconnect you from the only help available at the time when you need help worse is to get you mad at God. Don't ever succumb to that. You don't ever be mad at the God who loved you, died for you to save you because some, some circumstance is not going your way. Amen. All right, moving on. Look at verse uh, six. It says, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And Paul said, look, whatever the case is, if, if, if we are afflicted, it's for your it's for you. God's God's working in us on your behalf. It's for your consolation and salvation. Um, he says, which is effective for enduring the same suffering that we also suffer. As we go through it um, and we endure and we're built up, we're going to be able to help you be able to endure. He says, now, if we're comforted, it's also for you that we're going to be able to minister to you. That Paul is just, you know, bringing that point home a little further that none of us are going through it for nothing. And keep that in mind that whatever you've been through, some of you maybe need to take what you've been through, especially if God has ministered to you and look for people you can help with what you've been through. 
So it isn't for nothing. It will be for nothing if you don't reach out. If you take someone that's been abused and God's comforted them and, you know, from what they've been through and they've been healed and ministered to, and you never take that and help somebody else that's been abused, um, it's not really taken purpose yet. It's not really, you've been met by God, you've been comforted, which is great for you, but God says, now can you help somebody else? Will you share that with somebody else that needs to hear it? That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.